So welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed, insane, in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I'm joined tonight by Mike and Andrew. So we're recording on the evening of Tuesday, uh, July 11th. Today is day 173 of the resistance. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, at the Google Play Store, or at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. So we're going to move right into our best and worst news of the week. Um, so I'm going to start with my worst. I actually have two very short ones. Um, my first is that uh, Bloomberg reported today that China is going to be banning all VPNs. Um, and that struck me as really bad for you know, the sake of democratic progress in, in China that it will be almost impossible to access the free web. So that's pretty lousy. Um, in my domestic worst news, I'm going to go with uh, hundreds if not thousands of people have unregistered to vote throughout the country um, due to this horrible voter fraud panel that Trump put together with this that asshole Chris Kobach, the former Kansas Secretary of State, um, which is basically, it's basically a voter suppression uh, deal. Um, and people have taken, they've unregistered because they didn't want their information getting to this voter fraud panel. Um, so in related news, in my best news, um, 44 states, um, I could be a a little out of date on this, but at least 44 states and the District of Columbia have refused to give uh, voter information or at the most have agreed to give only already publicly available information to this ridiculous uh, voter fraud panel. So uh, that includes a lot of states that are run by entirely Republican governments. So I I was very pleased to see that they, they were protecting um, voter information there because um, that's obviously very important to voter voting integrity um, I'm going to go with my best being being done with uh, getting married and going back to regular life which is great even though it's here uh, dealing with all this stuff but uh, it's still great um, and my worst Sandra my worst is that now that it's done, I have to write all the thank you cards. That is almost as bad as anything that uh, Donald Trump can do. But not quite, but almost. We've, we've expanded the definition of what counts as news. <laughs> well, I'm going to do. I'm going to cheat and do one, but have it be both because okay. in some positive news, we, the um, Iraqi government retook. Mosul from ISIS, which is a good thing. Yes. But then on the other hand, it, it seems to have really just... They basically destroyed Mosul in order to take it back from ISIS. So it's it's sort of a Pyrrhic victory. Um, and the human toll has been catastrophic. There have been a lot of civilian casualties and displaced people. So... I would say it's slightly better than a Pyrrhic victory because I think that the civilians what could be who are than? remaining are in are better off not having ISIS there. I don't feel qualified to. I, I feel like I'd have to ask them, and I'm not sure what you know. I'm sure some yeah. people are better off, but I'm sure some people are dead. And I mean, living under ISIS is terrible, so it's not hard yeah. to beat that. Yeah. 
but living under a roof that isn't falling on you is also great. Although so. ISIS wasn't really delivering that either. No, well, sure. <laughs> and they w- would just like shoot you for like. Yeah, they're not. The if I had to choose a government to live under, it wouldn't be them. No. And they wouldn't want me. No. So you know, it's all good. But so those are my sort of twin. I think it has it has it's a good a side and a sword. bad side. For sure. All right, well, let's move right into what is clearly the the biggest topic of the week, though. Um, this story, which has been incrementally breaking over the last couple of days. Inc- well, go on. There's so many funny elements. Um, <laughs> which is this, that it, it turns out that, that Donald Trump might not be the stupidest Donald Trump in his own family. Oh, snap. <laughs> There's only two. Yeah. So, consequently, I am referring to Donald Trump Jr. A copy has, of a copy, as someone said on another yeah, podcast. Who, who has really... He's not done his um, his dad any favors over the last couple of days. Um, well, I mean, he's the dumbest person I've ever seen get involved <laughs> in a news story about his own wrongdoings. Because he himself keeps sharing like more and more incriminating information about what happened. Right. So basically, if there's anyone who's not aware of what we're talking about, um, the Times reported that he took, Donald Trump Jr., that is, a meeting during the campaign with a Russian lawyer and that he had been been told that that she might have some incriminating information about Hillary Clinton. That was the original story. Yeah, the the increment of how the story unfolds is amazing. So he gets this he he we get from the New York Times that he might have taken this meeting with a mysterious Russian lawyer. And he's like, "No, no, that's not what happened right. at all." And then there's more detail gets added in the form of Rob Goldstone. Like we get more details about who put the lawyer in touch with him. Rob Goldstone who's straight out of central casting. He's amazing as like a shady like <laughs> Russian. No, he's not. He's British. He no, I know, but like he, he's like. Well, he's a perfect foil for the alt right now, also because they can they can just blame this whole. Oh, is that because he's Jewish? Is he Jewish? On, on the fact that he's Jewish, yeah. God, the alt right. I'm ready to be done with those guys. So yesterday, um, it was it was reported that by the to- the same reporters from the Times added more detail to the story, which was that the email that this Rob Goldstone character sent Trump um, said in writing that um, that this lawyer had incriminating evidence and that it came from the Russian government and that the Russian government wanted to help elect Trump. It was like, it was as if, it's like if we had to design an email that confirmed all of the most like right. dark su- theories of this of what happened in I, this election. I, I hesitate to even call them suspicions because the email like said a, like hi yeah. I'm with the Russian government and we have incriminating right. information about so, Hillary Clinton so the, which could help your father. The only thing and, that this story yesterday did not have was the emails the email itself. Uh, yeah, but just wait. <laughs> so then this morning Donald, this morning, Tr- Donald Trump, Trump Jr. Jr. is like, you know, it's this will help. He he's like I'm gonna tweet out the emails unredacted. 
So he, I mean, I, that's the dumbest thing I can imagine. So it turns out. Well, the left doesn't care about emails, right? I thought they don't. They don't right. care about emails. Jeez, please stop. So the, it, it turns out the reason he did this, I guess. Is because the Times called him and said that they now had the emails. And oh, so he was like, "I'm going to get out in front of that by just confirming it." Well, but he he did them one better, which is that he like screenshotted them basically and oh sent Lord. them. So he it, he had stuff which the Times <laughs> I don't think had, which included that he had forwarded all of this stuff to to Jared uh, and Manafort, to Jared and 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 Paul Manafort, yeah. Um, which totally who I'm sure are like thanks, buddy. We really appreciate yeah. that you totally blows up any like excuse that they could have that because they were also present at this meeting that they didn't know ahead of time what this meeting was about. All along, or who was I've there? Been having this right. attitude like the Russia, we shouldn't get too excited about the Russia thing, and like who knows what really happened. Probably it's not as bad as. And like, then it, something like this happened. I know it's hard to maintain my skepticism. It's but. Uh, one of the things that's most interesting is that the Times reports that all of this, like, their sources for this are from the White House. Of course they are. This White House, all they do is knife each other with so, leaks to the press. So, like, a big game for the last couple of days is who's trying to throw Junior under Junior the bus. Under the bus. And well, it's, it's like a Three Stooges cartoon. It's like, it's a bunch of morons trying to hurt each other, but all it keeps happening is all of them just keep getting punched in the face. Yeah, I mean, I, what is? I, I don't, and I, I don't know. I mean, like a lot of people think that it's Kushner or people close. I to think him. it's Bannon. Well, weren't you saying? Weren't we saying that Manafort had maybe been talking to some people last week? It's He's, I'm trying to think about I mean, who's on that email thread. Like, why well, would the other Bannon theory have it? would be if if Flynn? I mean, you know, well, Flynn is the one yeah. we all think about it maybe being flipped, but uh, it's not knows? clear how much he knew about this. I mean. Uh, it well, does seem like somebody is ineptly trying to set up Don Jr. to take the fall so that Trump can come out of it unscathed, which I don't think. Well, is, as uh, you know, you can't uh, you can't arrest a father and son for the same crime, right? <laughs> is that from Arrested Development? More or less. I thought it was if you <laughs> so, can't arrest a so husband there, and there wife. Are a lot, <laughs> there are a lot of interesting questions that, <laughs> yeah, that like how dumb that? can the person be? <laughs> And well, that that's a question that's worth asking because it's like a he, singularity he of he's dumbness. Dumber like, and, I can't like, even think about day. it. But okay, so this meeting happened in Trump Tower. This is the other with, great part. Okay, with Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, who is Donald Trump's son-in-law and his like right-hand man. He's handling everything. Right, and Paul Manafort, who at the time was his campaign manager, um, and. We now know, thanks to to Junior releasing the entire emails, that uh, one of the things that um, Rob Goldstone offered to do was to also send this information directly to Trump through Trump's secretary, because Trump doesn't do email, remember? So, and and we know from other media reports um, at, at the time, contemporaneous media reports, that Trump was at Trump Tower that day. So what are the odds? Not? I mean, not anymore, but before. Right. But but what are the odds that he was in the building that day and he didn't know that his son, his son-in-law, and his campaign manager were having a meeting with a Russian government lawyer slash intelligence agent who was coming because she claimed that she had um, that she had 
information harmful to Hillary Clinton that the Russian government had that they wanted him to have because they wanted to help him win the election. It's just, it's almost unbelievable. Literally. It's like, I may, <laughs> yeah. maybe I don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, that's like the, the first question. Um, a lot of great stuff here. Yeah, I mean... Uh, uh, another question is, like, wh- what was Jared Kushner thinking when he <laughs> signed his security clearance forms? Oh, boy. And he, like, left out all of this stuff when it, like, really clearly tells you that that's, like, a real major felony. And, like, he he could be in a lot of legal jeopardy. But, I mean, it's it's like, so, you know, the the, the big thing that, that we as opponents of Donald Trump have been hoping like in our fantasies would come out, you know, as my, well, I'm not, I don't think I'm as much like this. Okay. You're, you're, but is that there would be evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. Well, and this Uh, can, so this touches on something I think is great, which is, I think that Donald Trump Jr., was also promoting the idea that since they didn't turn out to have any useful dirt, then nothing happened well, and it's all his, fine. Or that's his claim anyway, right? Sure. But like the yeah. thing that matters is that they were that they were going to like they would have colluded. It's like once but it you take the meeting out. with the Russian representatives, you've already done the bad thing even if they turn out to have been lying. No, 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 well, it's okay. They only wanted to talk about uh, lifting sanctions before well, they became... Well, right, the... as Andrew points out, like we're, there are even more layers here. So, like, one of his intermediate excuses was that they weren't discussing stuff about Hillary, although that, of course, turned out to be a lie. They were just they talking weren't... about about uh, adoption. Right, so, which, what Andrew's referring to is that when President Obama put sanctions on the Russians for their election interference... Um, one of the ways that the Russians retaliated was they suspended adoptions from Russia to the United States, um, which is a very popular program among um, American um, parents looking to adopt. Um, and so uh, so Donald Trump Jr. was like, yeah, we, uh, she just wanted to talk about lifting the Magnitsky Act, which is the, the act that, that, that banned that. that. And... Um, he apparently is too stupid to realize that that was a direct reaction to the sanctions. So that was, again, discussing sanctions, and it would be, have been a quid pro quo. And again, because it came during the campaign before uh, the election even happened, that would be illegal. And I mean, it, it just—it's a mind-boggling. The whole thing is mind, totally mind-boggling. Totally mind-boggling. I mean, there's a couple angles that I feel like... So you're talking about the Russia angle, but the other thing, there's a more general angle, which is what kinds of things are okay to do when you're doing a political campaign? And one of the more pernicious arguments here I've seen is people being like, well, you know, all political campaigns do opposition research, and all political campaigns try to dig up you know, negative information about their opponents, and so this is nothing unusual, and I don't see what the big deal is. Mm-hmm. But typically, or, or so far, we haven't been. It hasn't. We haven't considered it acceptable to include hostile governments, <laughs> hostile foreign powers, offering you information about. Like that's not the same thing as doing your own opposition research. 
No. There was a very famous example. I'm I'm not totally sure who was behind it, but um, during the 2000 presidential campaign, um, someone sent a debate prep book from the Bush campaign to Al Gore, and uh, that would have been very useful because then Al Gore could have looked at it, his team could have looked at it, and known what answers um, George W. Bush was going to give during debates, and he could have prepared for that, then that would be... But, and this wasn't even, this example, it, it wasn't a Russian, like, they didn't no. have a Russian guy being like, hey, no. we're going to give this to you. It was a, an anonymously... But ra- rather than utilize this uh, ill-gotten um, gain, they handed it over to the FBI. Um, Which I think and, is what you're supposed to do. And I would, you know, any, like, loyal American citizen... If a hostile foreign government comes and is like, oh, let me come help you fuck up some shit in your country. Um, the, <laughs> Maybe I better talk to, like, somebody about that. Yeah, the appropriate reaction is to call the authorities. It's not to be like, oh, goody. The thing I'm concerned I love about is whether this becomes normalized, right? You know, right. that's one of the big threats yeah. of Trump in, in general yeah. is... Right, this could lead to impeachment. It could lead to you know a shakeup in the administration. It could lead to a lot of things, or it could lead to people to nothing happening. To you know, it's as usual. The people who matter are Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, and if they decide that they're willing to tolerate this, then I think we'll just be entering a time when all our elections are just a free for all for foreign governments. Yeah, I mean, one thing that so I, that I've been looking at in relation to this story is the reaction or mostly non-reaction of Republican politicians. Um, one Don't thing you think they're waiting to see which way the wind's going to blow? Very much so. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I did think was interesting is that almost immediately uh, the Drudge Report, which is kind of a, a little bit of a bellwether of these things, I think, um, made it the their lead story. They have, they have like a photo of the Kremlin... And the headline is the email, and it links to the the New York Times article on this, um, you know, with the drudge sirens going, going above it. So it's like you know, Fox News isn't really reporting on it, and Republican politicians aren't really talking about it. But for some reason, Drudge seems to maybe have turned on Trump. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't. I've learned not to count on any of those. You know. I don't know what it means. I mean, I'm. I am sure that in private, again, as usual, there are many Republican politicians who are horrified. But that just makes them even more cowardly. Nothing about my theory of how this is all working has changed. And that theory is: as long as they think they can pass tax cuts, he could do literally anything. If they can cut taxes, they'll tolerate anything. This is just another thing. And I think it seems like they're getting more used to it. Like they're, they're forgetting I, that there I was any other way to do basically it. basically right with one caveat, which is I think it's as long as they can cut taxes and also think that they can get reelected. Well, you mentioned the solution to that other one when you were talking about Chris Kobach's um, no yeah. more black voting commission. Right. Which is unofficial title. Which is why I was so pleased that 44-plus states... 
I know, but he's playing along. It's not over. He's not going to be like, oh, you know what? You guys are right. Like, never mind. I give up. That's not what's going to happen. No, but I expected that states with Republican governors and Republican secretaries of state and so on would be like, sure. Here are the A lot of them are constitutionally um, not allowed to share certain... States are actually pretty tight with what information... These Because you're talking about the states' rights states who are... Typically, they don't ever want to share anything with the federal government. But they're still Republicans, so I don't trust them. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm less optimistic. They open themselves up to primaries if they sell a bunch of information to the feds, I feel like. Primaries for who? Do you... In the last 30 years, there there's no... no I can't think of... Well, there might be a couple. Primary Ch- challenges from the left against Republican incumbents no, no, no. just doesn't happen. That's not what I... Primary challenge from the right of being like, how dare you give our information to I guess the federal maybe. government? They tend to be mostly afraid if they ever vote on anything that can be characterized as a tax increase. Uh, yes. Yeah. They're like a pretty single issue... Except for the Kansas legislature. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> a really interesting one because they've had a lot of real-life experience with just cutting taxes, and it re- it actually doesn't it really, work. It really went very poorly. Yeah. 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 And so they actually Shh. decided not to do it anymore, temporarily, but... Well, this whole uh, idea of of being worried about primaries, which is certainly one of the concerns for Republican... Congress people in general, um, I think sort of. leads leads pretty well into um, our second topic, um, um, which is the continued uh, tale of the zombie healthcare act. Oh, for the love of God! And this is why I'm so sure they don't think there's ever going to be another real election, because yeah, no so one who ever had to go through another election would support this thing. So I, you know, I'm, I'm of course referring to the ultra popular. Currently seventeen percent. It's like as popular as Marxism. I saw a poll at fourteen. <laughs> I suspect Marxism is probably that's, more popular. That's Comcast than, level. Um, the BCRA, um, which is we're now going to go through the same thing that we went through two weeks ago. Um, Mitch McConnell announced today that there's going to be a new bill delivered on Thursday, and there'll be. CBO scoring that'll come out sometime next week, and then they're hoping to vote on it um, before that. Before that, um, and uh, he's already announced that they're they're going. He's canceled the first two weeks of the August recess, um, and that that's a big deal because um, in order, of, uh, the the Republicans are trying to pass through this through the reconciliation process, which we've discussed previously. And in order to do that for this budget year, they would have to do that before the um, the August recess, um, and um, so you know they're they're running out of time on that. Um, it's extremely unusual to cancel or delay the August recess. Oh, I thought you were going to say to try to kill a bunch of your constituents on purpose. Oh, that's also unusual. Um, and then Although say that's been, what you're doing. Like, not even try to hide it. As unusual recently, unfortunately. Um, the, the last time that the August recess, which is five weeks long, um, was shortened was in 1994 when uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton attempted to pass uh, health care reform. It's always health care, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
that effort failed. They um, they and they couldn't get it done. So, but what's what's interesting here is, it seems like the we're going to get a little bit of a repeat of what happened in the house. I certainly think the, they'll try to repeat what happened in the house. This, well, just in the sense that the, the speculation is that the the new version of the Senate bill is going to be to the right of what the previous version was, with being spearheaded by Ted Cruz and Mike Lee. Um, <laughs> One of the things I saw was, like, if you really wanted to, like, have someone charismatic and popular supporting your right. bill, it's like, call Ted Cruz, everyone's yeah. favorite. That, right, so... As Lindsey Graham famously said, "If you if you murdered Ted Cruz on the floor of the Senate and then were tried in the Senate, there's no way you could get convicted." Yeah, he's <laughs> people who work with him don't yeah. care for him. Yeah. What Al Franken said about party. him, like like I of all my colleagues, I like Ted Cruz the most, and I hate Ted Cruz. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's not. I'm not sure whether I take it as a sign of like really good faith effort to get the bill passed to put Ted Cruz no, in charge I'm, of it. No, I'm not sure either, but it, I mean, it's certainly going to make it more conservative because what Ted Cruz and Mike Lee are interested in are getting rid of regulations. Um, and cutting taxes and, and killing cutting, poor people. Sure, so they, but they want to get rid of a lot of the, the, the regulations that are in Obamacare that uh, allow insurance companies to do terrible things. Or not do terrible things. The uh, regulations in Obamacare prevent, prevent them from them. doing terrible right. things that they want to do, and Ted Cruz wants to let them do those things. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that, it's that, really just straight up like evil trying to I take health care away from people who need it. What was interesting to me is that Jeff Flake, the uh, junior senator from Arizona, who is considered to be, as Republicans go, relatively moderate, um, and not a Trump, big Trump supporter, and who is also up for re-election in 2018, um, he announced today that he supports the so-called Cruz Amendment. Which is that me, the one that says that as long as a health insurance company offers one plan that complies with the Obamacare regulations, they can offer as many additional plans as they would like without that requirement? I think that's part of it, but it, it also decreases regulation. Um, it may or may not eliminate in part the um, uh, uh, pre-existing condition clauses. Well, I mean, if if you do the thing I just described, you're eliminating pre-existing conditions. You're just doing it in a backdoor. Like, all all this bill is about is about eliminating pre-existing conditions as eliminating requirements to cover people with pre-existing conditions while being able somehow to say that's not what you're doing. Right. But so the fact that Jeff Flake says he's supporting this to me says that he's worried about a primary challenge from the right. Well, and the I mean, the White House and these outside groups have been pretty straightforward about spending money against people who aren't supporting the bill. Yeah, they've already started running ads against Dean Heller in Nevada. Yeah. Um, who seems now to be the probably the second strongest no vote after Susan Collins. Yeah, Susan Collins is looking like a pretty firm no. Yeah, she... Because um, politically for her, she only yeah. has to win. I mean, she's probably actually not going to run anymore, but... But she had it pretty reinforced to her by her constituents on during her July 4th parade. That I don't think they were ever planning to, to get her. No, they did not want her to vote for this. They just um, need 50. 
they can lose her and one other and still make it. And then there's some sp like rumor mongering that they're going to put back into place some of the Obamacare um, uh, taxes on investments. Well, there's two levels to all this, right? There's there's what the, the bill will actually contain and what the policy implications of that are. And I don't think anybody is paying any attention to that. I think what they're trying to do is formulate some version of the bill that they can convince themselves for like a day is going to be politically defensible. This is what happened in the House, too. They added yes. like a little tiny adjustment to it. The overall bill was actually worse than it had been originally. But it was like enough of a fig leaf that everyone could say, could all get together and just say, all right, this is good enough now and we'll all vote for it. And then we'll put it out of our sight and we won't think about it anymore. And I think it's the same maneuver we're going to see here. I don't know whether it'll work. No, I mean, the, I think the, the really the biggest question is after the new CBO score comes out, which presumably will still be bad, um, is there going to be a huge uproar like there was the last time uh, and enough constituent pressure to delay or put the kibosh on, on a vote? Well, it's also like Andrew was saying, it depends whether they're more afraid of the primary or the general election. Right. Because the, it's, it, from a, for a Republican politician, there are some states where, like, let's take Texas, for example. It's yeah. hard for me to imagine a Republican losing an, a race in Texas, even if they did something that was, that, even if their constituents really hated them voting for this bill. Like, I still don't see a Democrat taking a Senate seat in Texas. But it would be a huge risk for a Republican primary challenger to come at them from the right. And, you know, the, some of these states you're talking about, like Jeff Flake you, and Heller. Do you think Ted Cruz could be primaried from the right? Because he's the one up for re-election. No, no, he's going to vote for the bill. But, like, that was yeah. just an example. There's a bunch of states where the fear because you're talking about the electoral consequences as one thing that would make yeah. people hesitant to vote for this bill but that's yes. only true if they're more afraid of the general election than they are of being primary because you can't win the general if you get primaried true and lose i think the i think the eric cantor thing made a really big impression on a lot of these folks i think that's true um i think do do you do you think that plays more of a role in the house or the senate I think in general, senators are more concerned about general elections because they're you can't gerrymander the whole state. I agree with that. But mm -hmm. but even with that, there are some states where whoever gets the Republican nomination will win. You know, it's it's like the other. It, there are some states where it's the other way around. Like if you get the Democratic nomination in California, you win. Right. No, but what's interesting about Arizona is Arizona is not an automatic. Yeah, it's right on the edge. I'm still not sure whether it's definitely not automatic, or it's not. It's, it's, it's not, closer. It's not a toss-up either. No, it, it's, it's, it's like one of those leans Republican. It's not like Dean Heller in Nevada, which he would be. Like, he should be very worried because Nevada is not a red state. No, like he's got issues in the primary. He's got issues in the general. Like regardless of what he does. Yeah. Um, but the the thing I was trying to get at before is what, and this is really pernicious to me, is that everybody is focusing all of their attention. Not everybody like us. Everybody in the in the Senate trying to figure out how to pass the bill is focusing on the optics. And there's like, there's not even any effort to pretend like they're working on it from a substance level. Well, they have well, their I three think, things that are that... actually what they're interested in. And the rest well, of it is what's the other two optics. 
Oh, they're one thing. <laughs> There's cutting taxes, and then I, I, gonna, I don't know what I else. Think, I think it's a, the main reason for that is that it's a completely indefensible proposal. Yeah, but then why are they trying to do it, right? That's what I find so interesting, is that... I, it's very hard to explain that. I think... Like, <laughs> uh, unless, you, unless you love taking money from poor people and redistributing it to really rich people so much. I don't even think it's that. that I just feel like they've been totally captured by their donors. So you think it's the 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 Koch brothers and the, the this um what's what's her name? The the Mercer, Rebecca Mercer, Mercer and I guess it's more like that it's as if like a little parallel version of our democratic system has become is like come into existence within the larger government but in this system the only thing that matters is winning republican primaries and getting the republican donors to support you for that purpose and so and then this group of people has managed to just barely grab a little over half of the power which the way our system works mean they get to decide everything so it's like game theory but with money involved as opposed to like any actual, I don't know. I don't. I guess it's probably not like a government. fully fleshed out theory, but it sort of seems to be. It's like all the incentives on the Republican side seem weighted in favor of becoming more conservative. Yeah, I mean, cause I think you're. I think you are totally right that they are focusing entirely on the optics. But as I say, I think a large part of that is simply because it is really a totally indefensible bill, and if they spent any time talking about the actual substance of the bill in an honest way, um, they would get killed because it's so horrible. Another thing that happened in the House was that there were people who voted for their for the House bill who I'm, I believe didn't have any idea what was in the bill. Yeah, and I think that happens in the House not totally infrequently. Well, but in a case like this, it might actually... It would be like, if you were trying to pass this bill... If you could somehow figure out a way for the people who had to vote on it not to know what was in it, that would be helpful right. for you. Because that's, the... mm-hmm. that's harder to do in the Senate because there are many fewer senators and they tend to be under more of a microscope. And... Plus, at this point, it's been out in the it's been yeah. in the world for a lot longer. <laughs> not compared to the Obamacare, like this this bill has no, not no, been under yeah. consideration for that long in like the normal scheme of things. Well, and and, and they keep changing it publicly, right? So, like we again, we're we're talking about hypothetical stuff that's going to be in the bill because we we don't we know. Don't know. They're, they're doing right. close to yeah. I'm I feel my guess is that it's going to pass. I don't know. I would so I never bet against you? Mitch McConnell. So let, let let's let's play this game that we've we've played a few times. So America will die in 2024. <laughs> Originally, you you ha- felt that there was a more than fifty percent chance it was not going to pass. Yeah, that then was you, stupid. I was being stupid back then. Then you and I, I was more pessimistic about it than you were. Then you switched up and you were feeling really pessimistic. Um, th- after that, th- the it was delayed. So now, now we are in the present. So where where are you right now? I think we're doing about as well as we could expect to be doing, and I think the bill will pass. But ultimately, I don't think it will matter that much because this presidency is going to destroy our system of government. 
that's where I'm at. So I guess pessimistic is how I would describe no, we it. Get, that, I think we can call that pessimistic. pessimistic. That's definitely more pessimistic than than where you were before. Or I don't know. You've been saying that since day one. Yeah. Well, how's it looking? Uh, steady. Yeah. <laughs> um. Andrew, I'm interested in how in Andrew's a, take. Yeah. What's your What's your take? I don't know if I have really that much more to add. It, it, it. I, I. My take is that they will probably pass something, whether it will be. It's just a matter of like, just how far they have to water it down, um, from what they originally intended. I think it's a horrible direction to go. Like we shouldn't be uninsuring people. We shouldn't be, like, redistributing wealth to the top, although we seem to be pretty excited about, like, privatizing all our industries to the friends of the people who are in office. So, I mean, this is just an extension of that, um, essentially. So, yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of where I am. Like, it's, Hmm. it's not amazing. (laughs) No. I don't know. Maybe I'm like in a uh, weird. I'm feeling more optimistic about this specific issue than I was previously. That's wait. Just to add one last thing, the thing that's interesting yeah. to me too here is even if Trump gets impeached, that has no bearing on whether they pass this bill or not. Yes, I, right. I agree. This is this issue right now is independent of Trump. I would say. Um, I think that this is not gone the way that Mitch McConnell intended. Um, can I say that with 100% certainty? No. I think I was making that face because I agree with you about how he intended, but I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if he this is how he expected it to go. Like, yes, I'll bet that, he was hoping possible. it would go better, but he's a realist. Well, and he, I'm sure, plans out for different scenarios as well. He left himself plenty yeah. of room to offer people some, some sweeteners. Um. Yeah, and I, I think that when you see the speculation about um, investment taxes going back in and stuff like that, that was a, some of those sweeteners. That, I'll that be surprised if about. Republicans ever put a bill that has tax that doesn't cut taxes. Oh, it would still cut taxes. It would just not cut them quite as much as as currently. One man's not cutting taxes quite as much is another man's unacceptable raising, taxes, raising of yes. taxes. <laughs> um, I just think that it's so unpopular and is so real life and potentially politically disastrous um, and that they weren't able to sneak it through on the first try. Right now, I don't think it's going to pass. Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right too, and I I think that's not actually what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that, like, sure, maybe it passes, but it won't last because it'll it'll be what Republicans were afraid. No, where am I going with this? Uh, It'll it'll be it'll be sort of like Obamacare was for Republicans, except that people won't actually turn out to like it. When the next election cycle comes, assuming oh, you mean it'll Mike become is a fr- like a weight around the neck of Republicans who voted for it. That will be very easily. 
easily undone. Well, I think the, that's the what second will happen if it passes. Well, this is and, you guys... if, <laughs> and if Mike is wrong, right. and there is continued election in right. well, yeah, this is uh, you know we've mentioned a couple of times the Chris Kobach thing, but uh, every now and then they do something that's so horrible that I can't believe anyone who thought they would have to face a real election any again would ever do such a thing, such as with this health care bill. You know, people will vote for unpopular bills, but usually it's because they see some really clear value property. Like, the yeah. ACA was not popular when they passed it, and I think Democrats were like, well, no, this they, is a good they, bill, and people will like it. it. Because, well, it, I think it was even uh, more in-depth than that. I think they knew, a lot of them, especially in the House who voted for it knew that they were going to lose their jobs by voting for it, but they felt that it was worth it because it was going to end up uh, helping to ensure so many more people. Yeah. And they would stand behind it. it. That's what's so different. They're losing their job. With the ACA, people were like, I believe this is going to be a good thing and it's going to help people. And I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is and vote, even if it's unpopular. And like, so, so they were voting for something that was not popular. So it's a, that's similar between the two situations. But they, it was clear what they thought and why they were doing it. Whereas with the Republicans, I just can't figure it out. They, like the Republicans well, either, definitely they're... aren't going out and saying, you know, what this bill does is really good and we believe in it. Well, there are a couple of them who are. They, like, there are some. There are a few. Republicans who are such ideologues that there are a few, but it's not they, a unified like, message that's coming like, yeah, from the party from, leadership. Like right. my asshole senator uh, Pat Toomey. I know. How did instance. that guy ever get elected in Pennsylvania? My God, um, he is he worships at the altar of tax cuts so hard that I think he legitimately believes that this is a it would be a good thing. But I think the reason I'm uh, the thing I wanted to just touch on is this voter. This voter fraud commission is a really dangerous threat. That and the fact that yeah. the, we remember we were going to have a cybersecurity unit with Russia, and then apparently we're not going to do that anymore. But right. like, no. we're sort of there's a lot of different pathways being opened into people fucking around with our electoral machinery. Yeah, and the sick thing with the voter fraud thing is that it really came about entirely because of Trump's delusional belief that he won the popular vote. Well, and Chris Kobach right. has hated anybody who's not a rich white guy voting. He's hated that for a long time. This is like his Yeah, no, Chris Kobach is calling. a guy. Um, like, I, I'm not sure that Trump actually, his intention is to get rid of elections exactly. I think he thinks that there should be elections and then he would just win them. Yeah, he believes that any legitimate election, he would win 100% of the votes. And yeah. so to the extent that he doesn't, there's something wrong, and Chris Kobach needs to get to the bottom of it. Right. Because he already won the popular vote, and it was just misreported by the fake news media. And literally yeah. everyone he knows voted for him. The scary thing about all that, too, just is that it. there's a lot of people who believe that is true. Like, Trump yeah. has a base of people that are convinced that what you just said as a joke is well, what actually I, happened. Well, I wasn't saying it even so much as a joke because, as you say, I I I don't I, I I don't even think it's just a base. I mean, if you look at some some polls, like uh, some Pew Research polls I saw recently uh, among Republicans in general, oh. um, that Republicans in general, a large majority of them feel that like a free news media is 
bad for the country. Yeah, actually, nah. can I can I go back to the very beginning and and and, and add and my then, wor- well, worst of the week that uh, majority of Republicans think that college is making yeah, America that was, worse. That was the yeah, that's one. a new that's a new one. In this particular pupil, that uh, all the other things that Republicans typically don't like stayed pretty consistent, but college dropped way, way down this year compared to last year and previous years. What yeah, changed no, this I, I, year? I'm not sure. Do you think it's the it's the identification of high school educa- non college educated whites as a voting no. bloc? I think there's. So- Probably some of the like Breitbart alt right yeah. anti globalist elite sentiment. Maybe. Well, and also there's the theory, the general theory that Trump being elected is sort of acts as an emboldening factor for all kinds of horrible people who believe all kinds of dumb things. Right. Plus, Trump's his college was bullshit. What are you talking about? Donald Trump went to the best colleges. Trump Trump University. Oh no! He, right, that yeah, but he he himself didn't go to Trump University. He went to whatever he went <laughs> to. Where did he go? He went to the University of Pennsylvania. Ugh. Very Just proud like, moment for them. <laughs> An otherwise fine university. Um, but so, yeah, Andrew, that is a terrible piece of news. This is what I was talking about. Our country... I feel like the whole theme of the 2016 election was, like, America is going to withstand the most potent and virulent form of all the worst things about itself. And then it like hit us, and instead of us withstanding it, it's it just like it. taking over and destroying everything. And like in twenty years, there won't be any universities. Yeah, um, a lot of public, well, a lot of universities are public and are funded with public funds. You guys know that, of course. You also know that Emmanuel Macron invited all the academics from America to come and have a wonderful time in France. Emmanuel Macron also made some really racist comments about Africa. True. Like, real, like really racist. I True. saw. Are we doing our Emmanuel Macron potpourri? The two-hour sure. Emmanuel Macron special. Our special four-hour <laughs> Emmanuel Macron. <laughs> so uh, my my love affair with Emmanuel Macron um, may uh, may have ended. I still think he was the best choice compared to the other lady. Oh sure, but I, I I'm not sure that. Um, blaming Africa's problems on their civilizational issue of African women having seven or eight children, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's is, a pretty... I mean, look, pretty great, that, great. that was terrible for him to say. He, he, it was ridiculous. We're in a, whole, we're in a world of terrible options. That's, that's true. I don't remember President Obama saying anything like that. <laughs> No, he's not an option anymore because of our dumb constitution. I'm not sure our constitution is that dumb. I'm, we should get I think rid of our term limits. Electorate is dumb, a lot dumber than our constitution. One of my this is my real very most favorite um, theory of how it's all going to go down is that they're going to get enough state legislatures to call a constitutional convention. <laughs> you I, laugh well, now. That would be. They need I like mean, two this, more. Yeah, no, isn't the first. I've per- person i've heard talk about it no this has no. been a fear a thing we were we, that i've been afraid of for that was for nervous like 15 years part. because they only need two-thirds and they're getting they're creeping up what do you think they would go after abortion uh, <laughs> honestly i think it would be a complete know. mess because i don't i don't know what would happen i think probably we'd end up with a dissolution of the federal government and a couple of different like 
federations. Like you'd get New England and the Mid Atlantic states. You'd get the Confederacy. You'd get the Midwest. I don't think it would. I don't think you could come up with anything that would work. We really need to move to a popular vote and the illegality of gerrymandering, don't we? Yeah, we needed to do it yeah. like thirty years ago. Yeah, but instead, we didn't. No, but don't worry, because no, then the climate refugees are just going to annihilate everything. So, you know, nothing matters. I think we should move on to our next topic. Yeah. All right, so anyway, we were not here last week, and so we uh, we didn't have a chance to discuss um, Donald Trump's super successful second overseas trip, which was to Poland and Hamburg for um, the G20 summit. These should have been pretty easy ones here. There's some countries that like us, allegedly. Used to. Well, Russia likes us. They were there. Yeah, Poland. Poland, Poland and Russia. We're Poland's looking Poland. over its shoulder. We're, we're supposed to be. Yeah, because well, yeah, they've... They really hope we sharp, are. Sharp autocracy. Yeah, they've got a pretty right-wing we're, we're not. situation. We're not in the um, international diplomacy part where Poland was our like big partner in the Iraq War when they were still kind of a democracy. You mean what about Poland when W? Yeah. But yeah, no. Now we're in a still allies though. When uh, Trump was in Poland and he complained to the Polish president during their dual uh, press conference about the uh, fake news media uh, giving him trouble, and, and he's like, do you have this problem too? And the Polish president kind of chuckled, um, which is because, no, he doesn't, because he eliminated the press there. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and wasn't Trump's yeah. speech in Poland like a blood-and-soil... Oh, totally. Like, white power type? My, more or less. More or less. So then we had um, the long-awaited meeting between Trump and Putin. Um, in in Hamburg, and it was um, quite a long meeting. It was. It was scheduled for half an hour. It went for like two hours. Um, we don't really know what they talked about. No, because they, they didn't used... have any note takers. Yeah. That's smart. So generally, you're supposed to have a note taker from each side to take notes on what's going on, so that there isn't any confusion about what happened. But Trump said that this was not okay because we've had too many uh, leaks. And so we couldn't have any uh, note takers. So then, then there was slightly dueling um, recollections, if you will, from the two sides about how much Trump accepted Putin's declaration that, of course, Russia had not tried to interfere in our election at all. Putin um, is running circles around Trump. I didn't actually think that... Um, our denial of it was all that different from the way the Russians reported it. It was like kind of splitting hairs. Well, Trump was like, I raised it powerfully, and then we just talked about and, some other stuff. And then he denied it, and I accepted what he said. Or like Very strong like stance there. Yeah. Um, then we, the thing that, I mean, that really didn't, like, I, John was very upset about this, and that, this was also when we we had the original announcement that there was going to be a joint cybersecurity task force. And and John was very upset. And I was like, Why? what were you expecting? Like, this was exactly what I expected to come out of this. Like, I didn't expect anything good to come out of it. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect except not good. Um, the thing that I found more disturbing was that at several uh, 
really high-level meetings where it was heads of state, like multilateral meetings. Um, Trump just, like, he didn't go to the meeting or he would, like, get up and leave for a couple of hours to, I don't know, go play golf Watch or TV. take a nap or something. But, like, I don't, I don't know. And normally you would have uh, your vice president or um, the secretary of state or a high-ranking member of the government could someone someone who's been confirmed by the Senate, someone who's or like has a been legit, elected, or right. and who is qualified. You know, all of these things would would sit in for you um, while the head of state is gone. But we didn't do that. Instead, um, Ivanka Trump, on several occasions, sat in Noted for the president. Statesman. Um, she was not elected or appointed. Um, and confirmed by by anyone, and um, you know, like that's what that's what people in autocratic, you know, I mean, it's like a monarchical run. way to approach that. Yeah. Right? It's like a. It was very disturbing. Very strongman like. I mean, I joke sometimes about calling Don and Eric Uday and Kuse, but it is sort of that very family loyalty based system. Yeah. I mean, I think based on the events of the last week, it's, the Fredo jokes are more appropriate for the. For the Trump boys. Nothing inappropriate about Uday and Kuse references. No. <laughs> I mean, no. yes, there is. But I don't know who Ivanka would be in that either, but... she's I guess she's Michael Corleone? Maybe? <laughs> I mean, Trump has this problem where he doesn't trust anybody other than his family. Right. And he's just not a suitable president. To me, this is just another... This is like piece of evidence number 500,000 that he's not a suitable president. We've had like maybe two or three instances in our, the history of our country where that was not totally inappropriate. Um, what are you talking about? Like when RFK was the um, attorney general. I kind of think that was a little inappropriate. Running the country along with JFK. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt. She was um, the first lady. I'm not sure. But, I, I feel like we. it's never... I can't think of But the attorney general got confirmed. Where somebody's daughter with no Senate confirmation or election sitting in for them at any meeting would be considered right. okay. No. Ever. And I don't consider it okay now, but it's not bothering people. You know, it's just another thing like I was saying that, before. It all, bothered me. All Trump is doing is just... It's like... It's, <laughs> I don't know. It's I can't even think of a good analogy. It's like we've let him in the house, and he's just destroying everything. And then we've got a bunch of people being like, this is fine. There wasn't anything of any value here to begin with. Right. Take that, liberals. You know, like we haven't even gotten into the whole boondoggle of him um, beating up CNN. Oh my God, was that within the last week? Well, it was within like the last week and a half. Well, I don't have anything I mean, to really add a, about that. That was a big mess. But so, I, I mean, just on the international front, it seems like. It was just a total fail all the way around. His Poland speech was fucked up and racist and, like, xenophobic. Well, and, and Putin now is, I mean, he's making, uh, you know, as you say, he's running circles around Trump. All they do to Trump is they do these meetings and then they release some, like, brutally mocking... Right. Well, and then the people will ask Putin questions, and they'll be like, well, you know, uh, no, no one from the White House has commented on this yet. And Putin's like, ah, yes, I'll have them take care of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which yeah. is like, he's having a great time. He's in his element when he's exercising dominance. And Trump, weirdly, like, doesn't seem to mind 
ordinarily Trump is very focused on dominance too, but he definitely seems like a beta around Putin. Well, he's so he wants a bromance with him so bad. Yeah, yeah. he's he's got focused on him. Yeah, that he's just he's okay <laughs> with pretty much anything, I guess. I don't know what it is. I mean, I do know what it is. It's that Putin's regime loaned him hundreds of millions of dollars in shady, fraudulent bank deals for his real estate efforts. Let's hope that that's the worst of it. I mean, yeah, there. I guess there could be other things, but (sighs) let's hope that you know Trump hasn't didn't promise and deliver on stuff we don't even know about. What did you when you were out of the country? Did you hear any uh, people, any takes on the United States and how things are going over here? No, because I was in the United Kingdom and they were talking about Brexit and how horrible that's going over there. And who's going to pick fruit and who's going to lose their visa and or their uh, ability to live there? Um, it's all yeah, sort of panicky. Have, they they really have no idea there. what's going to happen. Well, they, under it's the all leadership like, of Theresa May, I'm sure it'll all work out fine. <laughs> yeah. The quote they, leadership. Theresa May and nine religious zealots from the from Ireland. They they planned things quite brilliantly. Absolutely. They really blew it as hard <laughs> as it's possible. Yeah. I mean they well, make was, us look smart and that's incredible. It was so unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. Yeah. Just just like t- complete hubris moment. Andrew, were you here for the episode where we decide tried to talk about whether uh Cameron or May phone. were yeah. the dumbest prime minister <laughs> which, which no. we, we were trying to figure out which was the a bigger cell phone mine was cam i guess i said cameron and i think ben you said may right i said may yeah andrew what do you think what was the cameron cell phone he called the brexit referendum oh right yeah right right my argument was that mm, that was a non-binding referendum <laughs> whereas <laughs> Theresa may invoked article 50 which is binding and then she called the snap election so that if she blew it like she did, she fucked over everyone. Yeah. Whereas so my argument that, that was, was a bigger cell phone. There was no theory by which David Cameron, like Theresa May, I understood what she was theoretically trying to accomplish, and it didn't work. But with David Cameron, I have no idea what his theory was of why it was a good idea to do this in the first place. There was no good outcome. And I agree with I agree with what Mike is saying totally. I'm, I but I still feel that the ramifications. Well, yeah, it's a philosophical were, difference between were, us. Because it's about lower. Mine is about whether they had an an, an intelligent strategy, and yours are right. about what were the consequences of what they did. So, what do you uh, think, your, Andrew? Yours is more of an intelligent design. Well, type not, argument. Oh God! Don't, well, at this don't point, I have to idea. I have to be wondering with all of these groups, like where, whether, say Margaret, Thatcher, you know, yeah, they come at us with like, a different one. No, I was going to say they they sure maybe they don't have a a, a clear national strategy that benefits the nation or the people, but they have a private, personal strategy that benefits them greatly, maybe, that we What's don't happening? know about. No, right I don't think that's accurate. What are we talking about? That I don't know. Of... Farage seems like one of those guys who had that. David Cameron had to quit, and yeah, he had to May resign is, going, in is going to have to quit. Yeah, she's not going to last that so much. So, I don't think... And live out the rest of anyone. their lives, like, working... Uh, like owning a bunch of businesses and making money without having to They're do anything. They're going to have to find another line of work. What are they, we talking David about? David Cameron's not even an MP anymore. God. I was trying to find out who had the biggest self-own in terms of calling referendums <laughs> with un- unanticipated outcomes. But And now you're saying they're all going to be rich. Of course they're all going to be rich. That's a given. But they were going to be I used to have a huge cell phone. That's that's what I... No. It's, oh, Jesus Christ. I can't. <laughs> that's... You've been to England where they do puns all the time. (laughs) 
Yeah, that was that was really pretty bad. I went to a pun-based pantomime while I was there. Of course you did. Um, are we? Is it over? What do we have to do to get out of this? <laughs> <laughs> what, we, we're going to we're we're moving into our new ending segment. What are you going to be focusing on until next week? Trying to forget about the existence of the pantomime. <laughs> <laughs> the punny pantomime. No, I don't know. For, for me, what am I going to be looking at over the next week? The health care bill. I'm going to be watching yeah, to see I mean, I, if they can pass the health care bill. The CBO score, I think. I'm not going to be that interested in the Donald Jr. Russia. T- to me, that doesn't have any impact on the actual things that are going to affect people's lives. I think it would be fantastic if Trump got impeached, because he's really bad at being president. Like, really, really bad. But... I'm going to be watching the healthcare bill. As am I, specifically the CBO score. Andrew? Yeah, I'm same. It's, it's, that's it's really it's all that matters right now. Everybody like, needs to call their senators all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I, the, the, the problem with this segment is I think the segment will be more interesting once the uh, health insurance of 22 million Americans isn't hanging in the balance all the time. It's hard to compete with that. <laughs> Has yeah. fallen off the balance, you mean? I mean, and also it's it's an inter- it has sort of a short term bias because like the real yeah. it, for the people like a hundred years from now who unearth this, I'm sorry that this is what you unearthed, but um, <laughs> we should just say climate change every week. You know, like there's just different right. scales. But oh, sure. the efforts to destroy the planet are proceeding uh, with with record speed. But for the next week, health that, that will not be that much solace to people who lose their health insurance and die before they are able to die because of climate change. There, you found it. The democratic message for success in 2018. <laughs> we will help you, know you that... live long enough to die from climate change. Well, I, okay, I've got one other thing I'm going to be looking at, which is I, I, I've forgotten about, um, which is that apparently the Democrats are trying to come up with uh, slogans and... Oh, like God. A, they're workshopping messages for 2018. <sighs> this, this is so depressing already. And the, the, actually, I think the one's pretty, I think it's not bad. The one that I've heard, which is what Chuck Schumer wants to go with, it, which is a, obviously a play on uh, the New Deal, is he wants to go with a better deal. I actually don't think it's that bad. <sighs> I mean, sure, that's fine. <laughs> that's not that bad. It, I and like it, it. you know, it, it, it focuses kind of refocuses on potentially on jobs and working class stuff which a lot of people want us to do and at the same time we can focus on all the progressive issues that um, we're actually interested in hopefully all right thanks for listening to sanity chat make sure to join us again next week and if you liked what you heard you can subscribe at itunes at the google play store or at sanitycheckpod.com And in the meantime, keep resisting and persisting.